Blog Talk Radio. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Do you love the outdoors? Do you want to help make a difference for the planet? Then get involved in Collectively Rewilding. Collectively Rewilding is a movement to restore degraded ecosystems and reinvigorate sustainable traditions almost lost by working together. It's based on the idea that we can achieve more by working together than we can by working alone. Sharing the skill sets we have built over the years with each other and providing the community support we all need when there is so much work to be done in finding a sustainable future. To join our community here in Collectively Rewilding, go to www.collectivelyrewilding.com. Let's bring nature back into our lives in a community built for the wild in all of us. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific time, 
for the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. You know what I think you should do? I think you should join us for Dynamic Word Bible Studies, where I am always hosting. My name is Felicia DeRosier, and I have two amazing co-hosts. Cross, the favorite. You wish. This is Mariah, the real favorite child. Oh, sure. <laughs> hmm We spend a lot of time learning about the Bible and possibly a little time learning about humility. That would be awesome, right? Yeah, Yeah, Ryan. <laughs> we air live every Wednesday from 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to 10:30. Uh, right now, we're going through the Book of Romans, but we're going to start moving into the Gospel of John. We're going to learn about Jesus. We're going to learn about living and walking in the Spirit, and learning to be a little humble with those that we live with. It's going to be a great time. I can't wait for you to join us. Right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hello, I'm Mike. My birthing partner and I just got our new Lysnica Freedom Microchips. These microchips are awesome. They help me keep the freedom I used to before enrolled into Southern Hampshire Institute in Technology. I am Jamar. I am friends with Mike and his birthing partner. We met at SHIT. I am a liberal media major. I also just got a Lysnica Freedom Microchip. SNSHIT recently mandates everyone on campus get their Freedom Microchip. I jumped on the Lysnica joint. This freedom chip grants me the freedom to go everywhere I was allowed to before COVID. Now this chip tells me when I am and am not allowed to go outside. It also tracks my boosters. If I'm not up to date on a chip, it tells me when I need to get it by. This chip is sweet. Without this freedom chip no one is allowed on our campus. I scan my hand whenever I want to pay for something. It also calls for an ambulance when I get another heart attack from a booster. Which is totally not a heart attack from getting a gene therapy. These freedom chips are free. You can go to any drugstore or China Mart and employ with insert in your wrist. Remember, it is not the mark of the beast. You just need to let Lysnica track and trace your every move. You just need a freedom chip to buy, sell, work, and live. When you get a microchip, look for the Lysnica Freedom Microchips. They are sweet. Hello everyone. I am Broccoli Man. At night I fight for organic GMO free food. During the day I fight crime against child trafficking. Please watch my story on rumble.com. Just look up Broccoli Man and you can see my regular run-ins and follies with G-Lobalist, the wiretap, the millennials, and everyone else I run into. I fight communists and very pro-free speech. Just check me out. Broccoli Man. On rumble.com. Hello Freedomizers, I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the one world government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitutional cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. 
freedomizerradio.com. Welcome to the Proof Negative Radio Show, right here on freedomizerradio.com. Now sit back and enjoy the show.
with Trump rinsing it in the primaries and expected to win New Hampshire tonight, are even Trump's worst enemies in the legacy media secretly rooting for him because what they really care about is ratings and money? Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining us on this voyage to truth and freedom. Remember, every week we make an exclusive video that's available to our supporters by clicking the link in the description. This week's was about excess deaths and the surprising, and let's face it, mortifying, 8% rise in child deaths in the UK and possibly beyond that. With an exclusive video covering John Campbell's content and look at what could be causing these excess deaths across the world. Certainly the legacy media are never going to tell you about it, so support our content so we can grow this movement together because out there in the legacy media space is a complicated world. Even those that claim to hate Donald Trump more than Satan, more than Beelzebub, more than the darkest imaginable realms seem to be secretly rooting for him because when Trump's out of office and out of the picture, they have to lay off legacy media workers. Their advertising revenue slumps. So, is it possible that the reason the hysteria and amplification of the anti-Trump narrative continues to abide and even increases because the legacy media need Trump? Now Trump is expected to win New Hampshire tonight and of course he rinsed it in Iowa. But there was a rush to announce his victory, perhaps preemptively, because legacy media outlets wanted to be the first to unveil the information. Let's have a look at some legacy media reporting around Trump and see if we can see whether hypocrisy emerges. Well, we don't know the number yet. Julie Fine, thank you so much. But the Associated Press has officially called it Donald Trump wins the Iowa Republican caucuses. That is 32 minutes after the day began. We have this race called at least in terms of number one. There's a reason the news looks how it does. There's a reason it's often a male and a female in suits in front of important institutional buildings. It's in order to suggest that the news is something other than a television program. But it is editorialized. That means they select information to amplify, they select information to ignore, and significantly they are funded by their partners in marketing. In this case, in talking about cable news, overwhelmingly by Big Pharma. Have you noticed any news stories in the last couple of years that were biased towards outcomes that might be favorable to Big Big Pharma, let me know in the chat and the comments. So when it comes to covering Donald Trump, they are massively compromised because clearly ideologically they do not like Donald Trump. He is a populist. He is a candidate that blue-collar workers tend to flock towards. He is anti-elite, anti-establishment. Those are just a few of the things about Trump they loathe and despise. And yet Trump for them is ratings gold. So how do legacy media organizations that are dependent on advertising revenue support in an unbiased way on Donald Trump? The simple truth is they are un able to. We, we, we have to get the, we'll get to the Hitler stuff in a second. I mean, I think that story's been covered. He was a really bad, genocidal lunatic that used folk myth, the music of Wagner, even Hindu symbolism and Roman pageantry to revivify a dormant German nation that had been crushed by the First World. But we don't need to get back into, oh, you're going to say that Trump's here. I know that is news. Okay. But let's start, though, with... I'll make a chart. The fact that Donald Trump... Is Micah's making a chart. They're making the news I'll do a chart. Is this chart going to be reasons that Donald Trump is like Hitler? Firstly, haircuts. They both had unusual haircuts. It's not well. We know this. But this, this guy, he's, he's looking so old. He's shuffling around. They act as if it's ethically incorrect as well to condemn Biden on the basis of his physical appearance and his age. But they do it for Trump because they've got no principles at all, have they? All the while they're talking about this, they're thinking, we need Donald Trump. Without Donald Trump, pretty soon it's going to be, uh, Micah, oh. 
sorry, you don't have MICA. We had to make her redundant because Biden's doing another term. Basically, at this point, like an ash cloud from a crypt, and we can't afford to pay MICA's wages. He's going through this thing, and, and then about why he should have total immunity, total immunity even when he crosses the line. It is pure, sheer authoritarianism and tyranny. If that is your depiction and understanding of authoritarianism and tyranny, I'd love to see how they're handling the numerous stories around Hunter Biden, his business interests, and their potential connection to Joe Biden, whether that's the Burisma stuff in Ukraine, these potential Chinese deals, of course, the report in that was censored during the time of the election, because if something is corrupt and tyrannical, then it has to be corrupt and tyrannical whichever side does it. Otherwise, you're simply advocating for a particular ideology while simultaneously amplifying the threat of Trump in order to have a powerful demon and opponent in their preferred media space so they can continually agitate for advertising. So we have that part of it. It's, it is Trump at his most dangerous, but also Trump at, at his most detached from reality. He's really losing it. You, you, we, we've been getting glimpses now of him shuffling around uh, and, and, and looking lost. Have they covered Joe Biden in that bike shop? Look at this. Uh, this is Morgan Sherwin and uh, Sam. Uh... It's crazy. So there you go. There's a good degree of hysteria there and agitation. So it would be surprising to learn, wouldn't it, that during the periods where Trump was not in office and not in the news cycle, their figures and revenue suffered. We'll get into that in a moment. Let's have a look at some more MSNBC hysteria. Donald Trump supporters are right there with him. Even as his rhetoric has become more blatantly fascist, they want what he wants. Like, if you're going to scrutinize rhetoric right down to the sort of colloquial idiosyncrasies, what about the moment where Joe Biden says, no, the bombing of the Yemen isn't working in so much it isn't impacting the Houthis, but we're going to continue with it? That actually goes beyond fascism. That's into the kind of Orwellian dystopianism of the reversal of the meaning of language. And of course, many of you will be saying right now, and perhaps even typing into the comments, the goal is not to end wars, the goal is forever wars. Don't you think that these kind of deeply cynical, globalist issues are more significant than the tribal polemicism and fanfare that surrounds either of these two candidates, frankly. In short, if they are indeed legitimately concerned about Donald Trump, why are they not analysing and scrutinising corruption, hypocrisy and authoritarianism within the party that they support? In the past year, Trump has called for the termination of the Constitution, said he wants to be dictator for a day. That was a joke. I watched that. He said that on, I think, Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity, wasn't it? And he said, for a day, I'll be dictator, build the wall. It's sort of a joke. Now, the fact that they must know that that's a joke and they're reporting on it as if it's serious shows you that they are kind of tweaking the dials. Well, what if that wasn't a joke? What if we portray that in its worst possible light? I know about these legacy media tactics because I know how I personally have been victim to it. They take Take something that was out in the open and clear and explicit, for example, my promiscuity, dial it up, amplify it, make it look as awful as possible, and then present it to you as news. What do the legacy media report on and what do they ignore? They ignore things that could be detrimental to the interests of the powerful and they celebrate and amplify stories that are antithetical to your personal and particular interests. Trump has fundamentally transformed the Republican Party to the point that the party itself has taken on his grievances and the agenda of vengeance that he's openly planning if he wins a second term. Aside from agenda of vengeance sounding like a bit of a Sith sequel from an overly franchised 
Star Wars movie. Doesn't it seem to you that there is a bit of an agenda of vengeance against Trump himself as he deals with indictment after indictment after they continually pursue him through various courts? It seems to me somewhat politically motivated rather than we must have justice for all of these various diffuse frauds. As Todd Nichols wrote in The Atlantic this week, quote, these voters now want to get even with their fellow citizens, not for what's been done to Trump, but for what they feel has been done to them. You know how much we value your dedication, your time, your attention, and we similarly value our partners that help to keep the lights on and help to keep us empowered. Now a word from our sponsors at Brickhouse, read their product, Lean. Now, stress may be why you can't lose weight. There could be other reasons, could be stress. Do you have moderate to high stress? We got this new Dr. Formulated weight loss supplement called Lean. It could be your solution. These are fantastic medics. Now, as you know, over the course of my life, I've had difficulties with food and eating, and you've got to be careful and healthy when it comes to diet. But if you think your problems with diet are to do with stress, this could be a very useful product for you as part of a healthy, conscientious, and focused approach to your own wellness. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which of course, as you know already, fuels weight gain. And you all know about stress eating and sugar cravings. I get that stuff. This is the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and help keep your appetite under control. Could be a very useful product. If your life is a bit stressful and you want to lose weight, add lean to a healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Remember, you've got to eat healthy and exercise as well. It's not a miracle, but it could be the difference. Plus, we can get you 15% off and free shipping at TakeLean.com if you enter BRAND15. That's the promo code, BRAND15. Enter that at TakeLean.com. That's promo code, BRAND15, at TakeLean.com. TakeLean.com. The statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease and is not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Okay, let's get back to our content. Thanks for staying with us. They were certain that 2016 would finally bring them the recognition and respect they craved. Instead, Trump set them up for a steady diet of ego-bruising rebukes from other voters. Ego-bruising rebukes from other voters. It's an interesting piece of analysis, and you would think, given the nature of that invective, that these news organizations would legitimately be opposed to Trump. But are they? Here we go again. About 30 minutes into counting the first votes of the Iowa caucus, the Associated Press, CNN, NBC, and various other news networks called it for Donald Trump. Donald Trump wins the Iowa Republican caucuses. That is 32 minutes after the day began. There was little doubt that the former president would easily dominate the rural state, but the rush to declare him the victor in violation of policies that prohibit such calls before the polls close was a blatant attempt to soak up the election night audience. It is difficult because, of course, they have an agenda beyond conveying information. This followed another departure from traditional editorial practices when MSNBC and CNN refused to screen Trump's victory speech. MSNBC host Rachel Maddow, casting herself and her network as defenders of the republic, justified the unusual decision with typical exaggerated commentary. Maddow said her network would suffer by knowingly broadcasting untrue things, which is an extraordinary claim to present themselves as gatekeepers, and that is why you cannot trust the legacy media. That's why you should consider supporting our channel, where right now you 
you can watch an exclusive video for our supporters on 8% excess death rises in children. There's a link in the description. You can follow that here. The Iowa primary heralded democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government. For his part, Jake Tapper of CNN suggested his network had to shield viewers from anti-immigrant rhetoric. I suppose there has to be a continual amplification of the hysteria simply to provide a sense of narrative. It's pretty clear they don't like Donald Trump. It's pretty clear that what they want is neoliberal authoritarianism with strong globalist ties, an America that is run by the agenda of NATO, the WHO, the WEF, defined and confined by cultural war issues. It's pretty clear that that is the agenda. You don't need to every single day keep bloody well telling everybody that. Trump responded in kind. NBC and CNN refused to air my victory speech, he said at a rally in New Hampshire the following day. Think of it, because they are crooked, they're dishonest, and frankly, they should have their licenses or whatever they have taken away. <laughs> their licenses or whatever they have, typically dismissive. If you watch Trump's victory speech in Iowa, it was full of just sort of politeness. And I think that one of the mistakes they're making is by portraying Trump as this incredibly intoxicating and charismatic leader who they can't even broadcast makes him somewhat more appealing, particularly when, understandably, trust in the media is at an all-time deserved and understandable low. Their refusal to even platform Donald Trump, I think, and let me know if you agree with this in the chat in the comments, makes Trump seem more legitimate. And with that, election season has started, along with the outrage cycle from which both Trump and legacy media reap mutual benefit. The more media outlets lean into partisan anti-Trump coverage, the more gleefully he campaigns against the media as a biased institution. It's a pattern that first took shape nine years ago when Trump launched his campaign with a series of inflammatory statements. Mexican migrants are rapists, ban all Muslim immigration, why can't I call women fat pigs, slobs and disgusting animals? The extreme remarks rolled on. In response, the media abandoned objectivity. Journalists inserted themselves into the story, often challenging Trump directly and darkly warning readers to oppose him. The New York Times and Washington Post broke tradition and used the words lie and liar on their splash to describe a presidential candidate. The media used any opportunity to present Trump in a negative light. MSNBC, despite its supposed rule against broadcasting falsehoods, reported salacious stories casting Trump as a Russian intelligence asset, of course referring to Russiagate, which Rachel Maddow and MSNBC et al. all enthusiastically reported, even though it's been proven to be untrue since then. The press pitted itself against the candidate. While popular on cable television, this approach is very much divorced from journalism that seeks to understand why voters were attracted to his message on trade, his unorthodox opposition to foreign military interventions, or the anger he mobilized against establishment elites. For his part, Trump embraced this approach, even encouraging his supporters to jeer the assembled journalists at his campaign rallies. I think the political press is among the most dishonest people that I've ever met, Trump would say, to be met with uproarious applause. Undoubtedly, Trump's instincts around elitism, the establishment, neoliberal globalist politics are pretty acute, astute, and well-observed. The fact is, Trump cannot rise to prominence and ongoing success unless there is an appetite for Trump. And a big part of that appetite, I believe, is the antipathy that the government, legacy media, corporatism, globalism are all collectively held in. Whether or not you believe Trump has delivered on the promises and rhetoric that he's delivered in his previous presidential campaign, and whether or not he will deliver on the rhetoric during this one, there is no question that the more the legacy media says that they hate Donald Trump, the more 
more other people regard him as a populist icon and an anti-establishment figure. What's baffling about all of this is there's never a time of atonement or a reckoning. You never see Morning Joe and all them others sat around the table going, do you know what, we should probably talk about the corruption within the Biden family. We should probably talk about the lack of infrastructure in American life. We should probably talk about why all of these people feel so unheard and angry. Unless you're willing to campaign along the lines of, listen, we don't think Donald Trump's a very good political figure for these reasons, but we recognize that what he's tapped into in you is a kind of rage and anger and despair and a desire for a different type of America. All they've ever really offered is, use lot must be racist. And so much of it doesn't make sense when you find out that the Democrat Party has already lost the white working class vote of its own former supporters and is well on the way to losing non-white, black, Hispanic voters. So who is it exactly that Donald Trump's being racist against? One of the things he was most condemned for was the cages, the children at the border in cages. Then you learn Barack Obama built those cages or the wall, the typical Donald Trump policy. One thing I know how to do is build all of that stuff. And then you discover that Joe Biden is continuing to build the wall. Similarly, the campaign pledges offered by Joe Biden. I will make Saudi Arabia a pariah. Make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. And then he does a series of arms deals and energy deals with Saudi Arabia. Their inability to address the problem leaves us open to the rhetoric, charisma and phenomena of Donald Trump. They can never directly address it because to directly address it, you would have to acknowledge the culpability of the system itself. You'd have to say, this system doesn't work. It's probably at an end now. We're resisting that change because we won't let someone like Robert F. Kennedy even debate our current candidate. We won't send Biden into the debate, Marianne Williamson. And because of that, because Joe Biden is a symbol of the establishment, he is a symbol of that party, elderly, perhaps once efficient, but certainly not anymore. Because of these failings, all they can do do is sort of marvel at and fetishize Donald Trump and even that's not working unless their agenda is simply to increase views and advertising revenue then it's working pretty well actually. All decorum gone, the clashes drove record viewership and unprecedented profits for media corporations. Meanwhile, the endless anti-Trump headlines in the liberal media only made his point about bias while also keeping him right at the heart of every story. The profit dynamic was significant. In 2015, Les Moonves, then chief of CBS News, was giddy with the Trump-driven audience. Looking ahead, he told investors, the presidential election is right around the corner and thank God the rancor has already begun. Moonves, on a subsequent call, claimed the carnivalesque campaign fueled pretty phenomenal political advertising revenue. Go, Donald. Keep getting out there, he chuckled, according to a recording. So there's an obvious compromise there. They're ultimately, like all for-profit organizations, the bottom line is the line that matters most. At the moment, they can appeal to their audience by continually condemning Trump. It seems to work. But if it gets proven at some point that by amplifying Trump, by showing Trump, by finding the right line, oh, what we'll do is we'll talk about Trump, but we won't show his speeches. If they can't continue this delicate dance around the issue of Trump, their model is doomed. And perhaps with the rise of independent media anyway, their model is no longer effective. What we're watching, I think, is a bunch of institutions falling apart, doubling down on hysteria and authoritarianism in order to resist what seems to me to be the inevitable decentralization of many of their models. Let me know what you think in the chat. The Washington Post and New Yorker enjoyed record circulation. MSNBC and CNN also claimed unprecedented viewership, finally outflanking Fox News as each network competed for an audience hungry for Trump controversies, some of which, like the Steele dossier, were outright fabrications. A story we've covered, the Clinton campaign funded lies that made it all the way onto legacy media shows, and they've never really acknowledged that. They certainly don't ever acknowledge it when they 
they talk about lack of trust in the media or the rise in Trump's popularity. Another one of the things they just don't cover. The heightened political climate continues to benefit CNN, John Martin, head of Turner, told the Financial Times. Even the New York Times boasted about its Trump bump. Mark Thompson, then the Times' chief executive, celebrated a continued revenue spike well after the campaign ended, as coverage of exceptional news events, including the firing of James Comey, helped add 109,000 new digital customers. Ultimately, it's a business model that needs to alter and amend, and it needs to exist in these type of spaces. I believe that's why these kind of spaces are under significant attack, because they represent the emergence of entirely new perspectives or old perspectives reheard, and it's an enormous threat to the media unless they can start penetrating these spaces. But with Biden came the Trump slump. The Washington Post lost nearly a third of its digital audience and last October announced large cutbacks to its workforce. Viewership rates are down at all the major cable and television networks, with NBC and MSNBC just earlier this month reporting yet another round of layoffs. When you consider that the Democrat Party essentially exiled RFK, rather than have a candidate that could stand up against Trump and wouldn't even let Bernie Sanders run as a candidate, preferring Hillary Clinton inexplicably. How do you imagine the legacy media, the propagandist arm of the same establishment interests, feels when it comes to a decision between we're going to have to cut our own workforce and make less money with Biden in office, or we can continue to contribute to this hysteria around Trump, even knowing that potentially we increase his chances of being elected, but also keep our advertising revenue and subs nice and high. How do you think they might respond to that internally, knowing what we know about their ethics? No wonder then that the anti-Trump narrative is rearing its head again. The Iowa coverage already points to what lies ahead, as Trump is described as a psychopathic criminal. That's extreme, isn't it? Like, not just a criminal, not just a psychopath, but a psychopathic criminal. The worst thing anyone can be. Hey, Paul! and his entire base built on a cult of personality. The media will again do battle in an attempt to prevent the former president from returning to the White House. Paradoxically, though, this is bound to help not hinder Trump's campaign. In 2016, journalists were so distracted by the latest Trump tweet that they paid no heed to the electorate, its deep frustration at the establishment, and its longing for a change agent. But such are the incentives and outlets are bound to overplay their hand again. The professional and financial advantages are such that non-partisan journalism is forgotten. The media will cast themselves as defenders of democracy and joust with Trump and his campaign, little realizing that their crusade may well lead him straight back into office. I suppose the question we're left with is, is that exactly where they want him? What an extraordinary time we live in where our trust in media is so low, we can't even trust them in their own evident passion and enthusiasm when it comes to ultimately what matters most to them, ongoing profits. When we know how their model is funded, when we know what their affiliations are when it comes to corporatism, when we saw during the pandemic period how they advocate and align, in particular with the interests of the pharmaceutical industry, which is why we want you to subscribe and watch our 8% excess death in children video if you can because I believe strongly the legacy media model is finished. They have no authenticity. They have no vitality. They have no real connection to the issues they talk about. When you see Micah and Morning Joe and those various other pundits pontificating, what I believe you're watching is the end of a particular type of institution that has no ideas left except the ongoing vilification of someone in the figure of Donald Trump who has harnessed a tide of anti-establishment zeal and they are completely at a loss as to how to oppose it because to oppose it would mean radically altering their entire model and everything that they advocate for. But that's just what I think. Why don't you let me know what you think in the comments below. Remember, become a subscriber and an awakened wonder. Join our movement and oppose this with us together. More important than any of that, if you can, please stay free.
Hey, thanks for watching. If you want to see more uncensored... Newly uncovered evidence shows that the Wuhan lab leaks are likely the result of gain-of-function research in those labs. And, get this, are also connected to bioweapon research. What's the next revelation? That there is a shady cartel of globalists that are running the world and they shapeshift into lizards any day now. Hello there, you Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining us on this voyage to truth and freedom. And what an extraordinary and surprising voyage it is we're undertaking together today. We have evidence that we're going to be discussing that the lab leak was connected to gain-of-function research, plus highly likely that it's connected to bioweapons. So what I'm essentially trying to describe to you, and even myself, because I'm still baffled by it, is that we're reaching the sort of outer periphery of conspiracy theory now. Imagine this. It's January 2020. Someone says to you, I think that these are bioweapons. Like, that's crazy talk. If you want more of our content and you want to support the work we do, and we need your support because we're under attack from the government and we need your support, we make additional content every week. This week we made a video about the global farmers' protests and why they're really doing it. Last week we made content about the 8% increase in child excess deaths. Those things are only available for our supporters so that we can grow our movement together. Of course we'll continue to make this content we love you but it will help us if you can provide us with your support there's a link in the description if you want to do that plus you get to comment on the streams you get to meditate there's loads of stuff we do assuming that we're not all destroyed by some terrible microbial warfare any day now even if it's a bloody accident because that seems to be how these things happen why don't we look at a sequence of reporting from the legacy media your friend and mine reporting on how there definitely are no bio labs anywhere except for Russia. The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable. And, uh, you know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. Yeah, it's malarkey. Malarkey slang for bullshit, isn't it? Yes, sir. Bioweapons, that's malarkey. You can trust us and our Irish Catholic grandfathers. We're just like you. You've got grandfathers, right? There you go, then. There's nothing to it. It's classic Rus Russian propaganda. Oh, classic Russian propaganda. I'm sick and tired of this Russian propaganda, and I'm sick and tired of being told that there are bioweapons being developed connected to gain-of-function research. I've had enough. Has there been any relationship between the... We are not, not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. Couldn't be clearer. Now let's have a person that used to work for the White House, but now works for Legacy Media. I don't know how those two worlds are connected. It must be very difficult for anyone to work for the government, then work for Legacy Media. Same way you get people work for the government, then go work for Moderna. It's really weird how they seem to be able to apply their skills across a variety of disciplines. I suppose they're just better than you. Russia has a history also of inventing outright lies like this, which is the suggestion that the United States has a chemical and biological weapons program, or Ukraine does, that they're operating. Russia is the one, is the country that has a chemical and biological weapons program. Get ready for the bit where it's almost inevitable now. Let me know in the chat if you're already thinking. Yep, definitely gain-of-function research is connected to bioweapon development, probably funded by the same grants. Some of the more extreme conspiracy theories that emerged at the origin of the pandemic are subsequently being proven to be true. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities. It ain't biological research, but we're not for weapons. We're not even interested in weapons. Helping people. You know that, right? We're just developing stuff in Ukraine to help Ukrainians. I mean, look, oh, let me show you my car. See, they have stickers. Right. I want to help Ukraine. What? Do you think I had some other motivation? Which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops 
Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. Well, hang on. So what's in those labs, if a Russian was in it, would suddenly become dangerous? Well, no, no, it's a bioweapon. When we arrived, it was a cure for cancer. You bloody Russians. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Victoria Newland is one of those figures that crops up in progressive administrations, works for Bush, works for Obama, has family connections and ties. There are these kind of, I don't know what call them, sort of clandestine cartels, but certainly characters like Victoria Newland here exist in that trans-partisan space, i.e. she's worked for Republicans and Democrats, almost as if those categories are irrelevant. But I do have some categories that are relevant. Biological research for medicine, weapons. Those things shouldn't be getting all mixed up down the lab, should they? We're getting so some breaking be... news from Washington. Speaking of China, on the COVID origins report from intelligence officials, Eamon Jaffers with the details. Eamon. Sarah, that's right. This is the unclassified summary now of the intelligence community's investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Oh, good. The intelligence agencies are looking into it. We'll probably get some viable and reliable information. We can all stop worrying about whether or not it's a bioweapon or whether it leaked out of a lab. Finally, we can stop worrying because the government, the deep state, are back in control. Remember, the government and legacy media, they're your friends, right? The headline here uh, is that they all agree, ultimately, uh, that the virus was not developed as a biological weapon. Well, that's that. That's the end of the video. It was not developed as a bioweapon. You can trust your government. You can trust the legacy media. You can trust big farmer and all of your doubts and concerns and all the things you're saying in the chat below about knowing people that have mysteriously lost their life all of that didn't happen because look you've just seen the inquiry oh you don't trust them huh points of disagreement though are where this virus actually came from and how it came to infect human beings uh, and all of them agree that it was not engineered as a biological weapon we're all confused one thing we can agree on though is it definitely definitely was not engineered as a bioweapon are you at the point in your personal revolution where you sort of suddenly your ears prick up and your spider senses start tingling you think oh well it's almost certainly a bioweapon that's sort of in a sense massively contributing to the ascent of trump this guy do not trust him what? Yeah, don't trust him. He'd be bad for the country. What? Yeah, it would be awful if he became president. Ooh, well, I'm going to have to vote for that guy now because you bastards have took the absolute piss for decades. Uh, you know, this idea that the virus had emerged as, an as, a, as, a as the result of a lab accident uh, had been treated as something of a conspiracy theory. Now you're seeing at least one element uh, of the U.S. intelligence community endorsing that idea, but only with moderate confidence. And remember, intelligence assessments are on a sort of a spectrum. It's not black and white necessarily, 100%. Weird, isn't it? When it's about Russia, black or white. Russia, bad. Russia, bad. Bio labs, bio weapons, they're bastards. When it comes to the deep state, oh, they're in this spectrum. Oh, they're so complicated. Oh, they're like Kandinsky. Oh, it's so complicated over there. And even they, they're only moderately confident at this face that it was a lab leak. Well, I got some news coming. Or 0%, sometimes they say we're about 75% confident or about 55% confident. We can't keep bringing you this groundbreaking, revolutionary, heartwarming content without your love, dedication, and devotion, and without the support of our sponsors. Can you believe that January is almost over? How's them New Year's resolutions going? Oh, I can't bother with all that, it's difficult. Mine was easy, of course, as always, it's to focus on well-being and overthrowing the establishment. Now, we all know the foundation of well-being is a good night's sleep, and throwing over the establishment means a willingness to absorb a lot of flack. So if I could just 
just do one thing to improve my sleep and overall well-being, it is taking the number one mineral for that. Do you know what it is? It also helps me personally on so many levels I can't even describe it. Do you know the mineral? It's... Sounds like an X, man. Magnesium. Actually, I'm talking about the Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. The seven different forms of magnesium in this supplement are involved in over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body. Pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded when you take magnesium, from the quality of your sleep to your brain function to your metabolism. Stress levels will decrease. And let's face it, even if your 2024 resolution was to oppose this odd globalist regime, it's not going to hurt you to be healthy in order to achieve those goals because you're going to need quality sleep. You're going to have to be able to manage your stress if you're confronting the globalists. That's a fact, isn't it? So do yourself a favor and make magnesium breakthrough part of your daily routine this year so you can get the vitality you need to conquer your dreams and the global elites. Go to bioptimizers.com forward slash brand now and enter the promo code brand to get 10% off any order. Again, that's bioptimizers.com forward slash brand. Now, let's get back to bringing them down. And that's what makes this difficult for policymakers going forward, Mike. Another thing it does, inadvertently, I'm sure, is obfuscates and muddies the entire story so that people can't understand the depth and breadth of what's happened. Feeling sort of suspicious, cynical, and full of doubt, not knowing what's true, not knowing what's a wacky conspiracy. That's why following the science, as they say, can be pretty interesting. And here's some science well worth following. Last year, multiple U.S. government officials stated that sources in the U.S. government were 100% confident that COVID-19's patient zero worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, WIV, and conducted risky gain-of-function experiments there. So, we're off the spectrum now. We're at the extreme end of the spectrum, marked 100%. This lab received funding from the National Institutes of Health, NIH, through EcoHealth Alliance, a U.S.-based nonprofit. So, look at all these little agencies. What are all these agencies? Where's the money coming from? What's their function? What's their purpose? Who do they work for? How are they funded? In 2018, EcoHealth Alliance applied for a grant from the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, which many of you were talking about right at the beginning of this. DARPA, this agency, DARPA. I never knew until recently that defense was what the D stood for. Defense? So it's kind of military then. Huh. For a project called Diffuse that would involve Shi Zhengli's lab group at WIV and Ralph Barrick's lab at the University of North Carolina. That's the UNC. What is this project? Now, US Right to Know has obtained a full cachet of notes and drafts from the Diffuse grant proposal for a Freedom of Information Act request. Remember, this isn't stuff that's been revealed. Someone, a proper journalist with integrity, went, give us that information, and here is the information. These documents reveal that the features of SARS-CoV-2 closely resemble the work described in EcoHealth Alliance's proposal. SARS-CoV-2's furin cleavage site primed the virus for easy transmissibility among humans and is absent from the closest known relatives of SARS-CoV-2. So when they, under a microscope, observe SARS-CoV-2, it looks a lot like what was being described in the grant proposal from EcoHealth Alliance to DARPA. Is it possible then that it's the same thing? I mean, it only came from the same lab. I mean, they only told you that that's the research they were going to do. It's only identifiable that no close known relative of SARS-CoV-2 has this very distinctive furin cleavage site, which I won't pretend to understand, but is connected to its transmissibility. As best we can here, we are following the science. And the science would seem to indicate that natural evolution is unlikely because an evolutionary step has been taken that would be unlikely and unprecedented in the molecular world that is observable here. What seems more 
likely, given that they've got a paper trail saying, hey, do you mind if we go to this lab in Wuhan? Uh, it's going to have this unique set of qualities. Can we do that? Sometime later, everyone has to go into their house for a couple of years and you're watching funerals on YouTube and your children have to have their mouths covered at school and a whole host of other interests make incredible profits while the ability to regulate and control is radically enhanced and you have a terrified population which as you know means a malleable population. What an extraordinary set of events. Why were Barak and Xi conducting risky experiments to engineer virus features that could infect humans? What was the purpose of this research and why would federal government agencies potentially want to fund it? All important questions, presumably not the sort of questions that come up in the COVID inquiry in your country or my country because they seem to be asking questions that lead to, uh, it's this guy. So they can just blame one individual and get rid of that individual. Seems to be the way it functions. Gain of functions. In October 2000, Project for a New American Century, an influential foreign policy think tank, released its Rebuilding America's Defenses policy document. Another one of these agencies that's not quite government, not quite corporation, but very, very influential. And I'll be telling you some more stories about them because some of them have personally attacked me. In the 21st century, the authors wrote, combat will likely take place in new dimensions, in space, cyberspace, and perhaps the world of microbes. What a terrifying idea that is warfare in new dimensions. How extraordinary to use that language and then immediately tether it to combat and violence. And this is a good point to acknowledge that Robert F. Kennedy, independent presidential candidate, has been talking about this stuff for a long time and it made him a pariah for a long time. Oh, that crackpot lunatic, he's always going on saying stuff like they're developing these dual purpose things that are part vaccine but they're using the research to mark the fact that there are bioweapons. Well, that guy is absolutely, oh, he's right. Advanced forms of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to a potentially useful tool. You know, we thought that these things were terrifying, but then I found out we could use them for our own ends and they became not terrifying. It's like the reverse of a Ukrainian bio lab. When there's just Ukrainians in there and American-sponsored activity, it's great. Then who's that coming look? Oh, what's that? Fur hat? Cossack costume? It's a Russian! Ah! Microbial research in the hands of a terrorist wearing a turban, reading a book like can't understand this is terrifying but when we're doing it it's suddenly fine the next year senior policymakers ran two days of a smallpox bioweapon attack simulation called dark winter you bastards designed by the johns hopkins center for civilian biodefense strategies policymakers concluded during the simulation that they needed to lay the groundwork for a new bio warfare preparation proposal through a preventative program we must prevent bioweapons how we're going to develop bioweapons Okay, you're gonna shut the windows. Almost certainly. In June 2002, scientist Michael Callahan became the State Department's clinical director for cooperative threat reduction programs. We're gonna reduce the threat. How? By developing these threatening tools. All right, well, obviously you know by now to shut the windows. Absolutely. Callahan was sent to former Soviet states. Rolling Stone reported to form alliances with scientists at some of the most secretive bioweapons laboratories in Russia and the former Soviet states. And it's weird because you saw the news, right? Russia do have bioweapons. That's the one thing everyone's agreed on. You know, when they're doing their deep state, deep dives into this stuff, everyone's baffled and confused and all up and down on the spectrum. But when it comes to, do Russia have bioweapons? Turns out we're sure they've got bioweapons. So this dude Callahan was over there looking at bioweapons. 
right? The goal was to convert former bioweapons labs into facilities that could fight diseases by anticipating threats and creating vaccines. I'm sure that's what you say, and why would we want to contradict you at this point? The Biological Weapons Convention, BWC, prohibits the development of bioweapons but contains a loophole. Oh, what a surprise, a loophole. How unlike these circles to put loopholes through which they can sneak profits and projects of dominion. Allowing pathogens to be developed and stored if they have a justification for prophylactic, protective, or other peaceful purposes. We've got an easy little acronym. If we keep saying that again and again, again, you can develop all the bioweapons you want, unlike those Russian bastards. Callahan went on to work as a program manager for DARPA. Coincidentally, he was in Wuhan. <laughs> oh my God. Coincidentally, he was in Wuhan at the start of the COVID-19 outbreak. This guy, Callahan, what is he, Forrest Gump, went over to Russia. What's going on in these bioweapons? Then he's off to Wuhan the next minute. What has he got? Incredibly bad luck? He should be a travel agent, this guy. In 2003, Fauci's NIAID was assigned lead responsibility for civilian biodefense with a focus on research and early development of medical countermeasures against terrorist threats from infectious disease. And NIAID received a $1.7 billion budget to defend against bioterror because new potentially deadly pathogens such as avian influenza may be naturally occurring as well as deliberately introduced by terrorists. NIAID's biodefense webpage says, NIAID's defense research is integrated into its larger emerging and re-emerging infectious diseases portfolio. Right, so NIAID are also trying to protect us from terrorists by developing responses to terrorists. So what would we do if there were no terrorists or no constant threat? Good job Russia have got all those biolabs because $1.7 billion of your taxpayer money is being used to respond to these various threats. But if you suddenly were not scared of, it would be difficult to levy. Placing biodefense under Fauci's supervision eroded the distinction between military and civilian scientific research. That seems like an important distinction to me. I'm not a bureaucrat, plainly. But it seems to me that medicine and healing people who have got a disease and developing weapons to... I mean, I don't know, what is a bioweapon? It's to hurt people, isn't it? I mean, like, all of them saying, oh, what we're doing is we're developing this in the event that a terrorist should do this in the future. It's all a bit minority report, isn't it? And you'd want those people to be so trustworthy. They'd have to be so spick and span and neutral. You wouldn't want to hear that they've ever been taking royalties or grants or going on weird trips across Russia. You certainly wouldn't want the considerable pockmark on their record of a bloody great pandemic emerging out of Wuhan around the time that they were funding dual purpose research and bioweapons for which there is a paper trail, so bureaucratic as well as scientific evidence, because at a molecular level, it's plain that that's what this is, according to this evidence. I found myself again never imagining that I'd be doing this, needing to learn from people that I never thought I'd be learning things from, namely bioweaponers, Fauci said in 2002, significant time before this all happens. Fauci's having these odd conversations. People who are our own bioweaponers in the US decades ago, international figures, people from other countries, the UK, and also importantly defectors, particularly from the Soviet Union, who had vast experience in the ways of biowarfare. In 2004, the Biodefense Act outlined a response to bioterror attacks, which would include aggressive research programs, including red teaming efforts to understand scientific measures that could be used to develop bioweapons. Intelligence collectors, the act said, would be positioned to anticipate these threats. 
A 2004 paper from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine, Biotechnology Research in an Age of Terrorism, made clear the risk this type of research could pose. Biotechnology represents a dual-use dilemma in which the same technologies that can be used to better society can also be misused for bioterrorism with devastating results, the report said. Seems to me the very kind of thing that a population should be consulted on and that we should all understand. Perhaps if in 2002, when all this stuff was coming up, the whole population was invited to discuss and debate and even vote on, do you want us to do all this research? One of the concerns is that it could leak from a laboratory and cause the very thing that we're claiming that it's going to prevent, even though you know we've got vested interest in the pharmaceutical industry remaining profitable, the weapons industry remaining profitable, these peculiar fusions between defence and medicine that I'm not at all comfortable with. Would you like to be invited to discuss and understand that? On a more tangential and ideological tip, it's been said that we went from wars against nations and creeds and religions into the war against terror. And from the war against terror, we've gone into the war against germs. And it requires this kind of warlike mentality. If you could reflect, the pandemic was conducted with this kind of militaristic language and this kind of jingoism and nationalism, and we're all in it together. And then it was used, it seemed to me, to leverage a whole bunch of policies and ideas that would otherwise have been implausible. So even if we maintain that this was an accident, and as yet there is no evidence to suggest that it wasn't an accident, it was an accident that was extremely convenient to some extremely powerful interests. And again and again, we are discovering that the thing that they said were true are not true and the things that the more sort of what we regarded as extreme but we're gonna to have to retire that word people were saying was closer to the truth yet over the next two decades the US government would give many grants to potentially dangerous gain-of-function research in 2009 USAID granted a 75 million dollar predict grant to four groups including EcoHealth Alliance controversy erupted in 2011 after two scientists altered H5N1 bird flu to make it more transmissible we've got some fantastic news yeah what is it you know bird flu yeah yeah we've made it more better you've created a medicine to stop it oh god no these are all good ideas write that down no we've made it more transmissible Oh, how can I stay mad at you here? Have another grant. The NIH Biosecurity Board unanimously recommended that certain research methodologies not be published. Ooh, you don't want to publish that. That makes us look like idiots. In response, Fauci and Francis Collins, then director of NIH, wrote a flu virus risk worth taking in the Washington Post, arguing that the benefits of gain-of-function research outweigh the risks. Sort of like how social distancing just sort of appeared. These risks are just sort of worth taking. Identifying threatening viruses can also facilitate the early stages of manufacturing vaccines that protect against such a virus in advance of an outbreak, they wrote. Well, there's some priming right there, wasn't there? They're getting us ready for the idea. Don't worry about it. We can vaccinate you for it. Are you fat? Take a tablet. Diabetic, you say. Have a pill. Depressed? There's some tablets for that. Pandemics everywhere? You need not worry. Let's go on a journey together. But if these things ever fell into the hands of a terrorist, what do you mean by terrorist? people that wear different clothes than us? Well, that would be a problem. After a tense meeting with Fauci and Collins in 2012, during which members of the NIH Biosecurity Board reportedly signed non-disclosure agreements, the board reversed its previous recommendations and voted to publish the H5N1 gain-of-function research. Then in 2014, following multiple lab mishaps, there's a sentence that covers a variety of sins, multiple lab mishaps. Well, there was the lab mishap where Pete lost an arm. And, yeah, and then there was one where we didn't shut those windows, did we? Oh, that was crazy. And what about back in Wuhan? Mm, not yet, not yet.
President Barack Obama froze gain-of-function research, with some exceptions, loopholes, and established a Health and Human Services, HHS committee, with the power to veto NIH projects. Three years later, Fauci and Collins changed NIH policy, removing the HHS committee's ability to block projects. From 2012 to 2020, the NIH funded at least 18 gain-of-function projects, costing a total of $48.8 million and involving 13 institutions. Eight of these projects were approved after 2017, when the HHS committee's oversight had been significantly weakened. So whatever that HHS was doing, it was slowing people down, so it had to go, and Fauci facilitated its departure. Fauci. And that's the person that everyone universally turned to in the outbreak of a pandemic. Oh no, there's a pandemic. Who should we turn to? Well, this guy whose recommendations, actions, and potentially personal wealth come from decisions that have caused this problem. This historical evidence, as well as the scientific record, suggests that individuals involved in biodefense and pandemic preparedness may have been responsible for engineering the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The defense and preparedness push that gained funding and momentum after 9-11 appears to have become a self-fulfilling prophecy. In a Attempting to stop pathogens from transmitting to humans, scientists appear to have achieved the opposite. An early precursor to the Orwellian linguistic trickery we're all becoming accustomed to now. We need this war for peace. We need to make all these bioweapons to stop any bioweapons ever affecting us. But isn't the main threat you? Kinda. But not to me. I make a lot of money out of it. The response to COVID-19 employed the same biodefense planning and structures. Same people after it had already gone wrong. That's ridiculous, isn't it? What if we just carry on doing what caused all this? Good, okay, let's try it. I suppose we will make more money and be able to introduce new... Yeah, yeah, carry on. The National Security Council worked to craft COVID-19 policies. The Department of Defense officials were heavily involved in vaccine development and distribution. Out of 90 Operation Warp Speed leaders, 60 were military officials. I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, nah, that can't be true. It can't be a military operation, but it was. Despite the controversy surrounding COVID's origins, the Department of Defense awarded a new $3 million grant to EcoHealth Alliance in December 2022. They must have some idea that these grants are potentially contributing to the very problem that they're purportedly trying to solve. So either they don't care about that or they haven't worked it out. So you've got to choose between ineptitude and glaring malfeasance. And neither of those options means that the same people or same system should continue to be deployed indefinitely or even really for another day. I mean, why you put up with any of these people. No wonder anti-establishment, anti-legacy media, anti-state rhetoric is on the rise. It's because of this. Not because everyone suddenly doesn't like immigrants and suddenly everyone's gone racist. This is an arsehole to go through this, isn't it? And work out furing cleavage sites and funding and biodefense. It's not straightforward, is it? Like, and then people try to mock, oh, educating yourself. Huh, that's a conspiracy theory too. If you didn't go to university, you got no business thinking. But when you do this, you realize, oh yeah, that vague sense I had that I can't trust these people is actually verifiable on a molecular level and on a bureaucratic and political and financial level. So I withdraw my trust, I withdraw my cooperation, I withdraw my good faith, and I have nothing to offer you but my endless undying opposition. Gain-of-function research is largely continuing apace. Across the US, there are privately operated invisible biolabs that slip through the cracks in federal regulation. Of course, because they're loophole experts. What's going on there? Nothing. What are they bloody doing in that building? 
nothing, basically nothing, bioweapons. Last year, public health officials found that one of these secret privately owned biolabs in California was mishandling 1,000 laboratory mice and samples of various infectious diseases. Well, clumsy cack handed off, like a thousand of them all just running around like mouse hunts. The immense trust once given to scientific groups, public health institutions and pharmaceutical companies has been lost. In some ways, this is positive. Many people are now far more aware of scientists' fallibility, leaving us less vulnerable to future abuses of power. Hopefully, we continue to see greater oversight, but it is still up to the public to remain sceptical and vigilant. Indeed, beyond sceptical and vigilant, I would say you have to become almost tenacious and revolutionary. How do we deal with this at this point? Now that we know that it's likely it came from that lab, it likely came as a result of American taxpayer-funded research, it was part of a bioweapons program that's always being controversial. They're continuing to do stuff like that to this day. They're giving grants to people and institutions and groups that were likely involved in that lab leak. They're continuing to manage the information and claim that the truth is misinformation and the misinformation is the truth. At what point do we withdraw our compliance? I would say immediately right now. Certainly my compliance has gone forever. But that's just what I think. Why don't you let us know what you think in the comments and chat. Remember, you can join us and become a member of our community by becoming a supporter. We make content like this. Austin people are great people. They're really nice. They're nice. They're not shitheads. They're not Hollywood people. They're not lost in this fake world of leftist ideology that everybody's trapped in. They're just people. They're just regular people, man. And those people exist outside of these these blue bubbles where everyone's gone insane. Well, I used to be a part of the blue bubble. I, w I was 100% a left-leaning person who lived in Los Angeles. I was 100%. I never voted Republican my whole life. I was very left-leaning, especially with, like, any social issues. When it comes to financial things, I'm a little bit more conservative. But at the end of the day... I'm way more left than I am right. But California went nuts, man. It's gone like full communist. It's out of its fucking mind. And their approach to law enforcement is so insane. It's so insane. The no cash bail, the letting people out for committing violent crimes, the fucking st not stopping people for stealing up to whatever money it is. Was it $900 now? I think they raised it. I think they made it a little higher. San Francisco is non-existent. San Francisco, most of San Francisco is emptied out of, like, big chain stores and big department stores. Like, I, I, I won't even do stand-up there anymore. It's crazy. It's, they ruined it. They ruined the city. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you can bring it back. The structure's still there. But yeah, you yeah. have to have some hardcore Rudy Giuliani-type motherfucker to come in there and knock heads. Wow. And nobody wants that. You nobody know, wants that. They're peace, love, and granola and fucking wear a mask. I'm in the middle now. I'm in the middle. I'm in the I middle. Never, I never thought I would ever never, say that. Never. 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 It only happened in this last year. Right. Exactly. I just went, I can't do it anymore. You know what I mean? People that you thought were aligned with you are like now, now like mad at you about shit. They're in a cult. They're in a cult. It's, it's got all, I mean, Mark Andreessen, who's a brilliant venture capitalist guy, explained it to me in, in, in very clear terms. Like what the definition of a cult is, how you can get excommunicated, how you get shamed for having differing opinions, the group think, the whole, he's like, it's a cult. And he's right. He's yeah. 100% right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just hard to say because then people in the cult will attack you. But they're not attacking you for a reasonable, it's not logical, like yeah. the way they're attacking you. They're attacking like someone attacks religious beliefs. Yeah. And some of these religious beliefs that get... It gets into these weird gray areas, like like trans people in women's bathrooms. Like, says who? Yeah. Says who? 
How do you know that's a real trans person? How do you not know that's a fucking creep that wants to pull his dick out in front of kids? Because yep. those are real. We and spa. You, yeah. And, and if all you, that guy was a convicted uh, sex offender. Yeah. Yeah. And he was doing that. Look, those guys are real. It doesn't mean trans people aren't real also, but those guys are fucking real. Yeah. And to even say that those guys are real, you get excommunicated. You yeah. get treated like you're a Nazi. I never even cared about it. Didn't care at all. Yeah, I mean, I, whatever you want, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? But it's like, I can't do it anymore. I think it's engineered. I really by do. By who? By China and by Russia. Oh, no, Chinese. Yeah, I think uh, what they're doing by manipulating social media, manipulating algorithms, I think some of it is natural. Don't Don't get me wrong. I think some of it would... Cross-dressing isn't only happening in our species. In fact, it happens all the way across the animal kingdom. That's a school board member determining what thousands of children learn in schools. Welcome back to the JP Reacts channel, my beautiful freedom-loving friend, where we like to call out the lies, hypocrisy, and corruption of tyrants and Satan, shine the light of awareness on woke absurdities, and highlight the amazing work of other freedom fighters. Now, the uh, opening clip you just saw is from... I would objectively say a sexually perverted woman. I have no problem with sexually perverted women who keep their sexual perversions to themselves and other consenting adults. But where I do have a problem is when such sexual pervert helps determine the education of children as this lady is a member of the Board of Education at a school in Canada. This came to my attention on the Libs of TikTok Twitter account. Post says, pray for the students of Chilliwack SD33. That's the school where this uh, scholar is a member of the Board of Education. This is Corinne Bodnar, a member of their Board of Education. This person is in charge of the education of thousands of kids. So before we take a look at this lady's full tirade and knowing she's majorly influencing kids, let's just take a look at this school that she is influencing. This is Chilliwack School District in British Columbia, Canada. They're not followed by anyone that I'm following. Okay, thank you for letting me know that, Twitter or X. This lady's like, I want to start a social media company called Triple X. Cool. Uh, apparently there's kids that go to this school. Who would have thought? Do you think we need to protect kids? I would dare say so. Is this a lady we need to protect kids from? I would say so. Now, full disclosure, I have not seen any reports from this specific school of sexualized material that's being taught to kids. So I can't say that it's happening, and I certainly can't say that it's not happening. But what I would say is to protect kids, it's a good idea not to put them in the vicinity of people who hold ideas that we definitely don't want in the minds of children. That's where I'm coming from here. Now let's take a look at the full video of this Board of Education member. Let's face it, homosexuality happens. In fact, by the way, legalize everything. Everything? Legalize everything. I can think of many things, especially involving children, that should be the opposite of legalized. In the animal kingdom, gay and lesbian sex is pretty much as common as straight sex. Fact check, uh, in the animal kingdom, gay and lesbian sex between animals is not as common as straight sex. Independent fact checker here. Boys on boys, girls on girls, boys on girls, boys on boys on boys on girls. You get the picture. So the next time someone tells you that the natural union is between one male and one female, 
you might want to remind them that the only added benefit of a male-female partnership is the possibility to produce offspring. If we're going to call natural all the stuff that actually happens in nature, then boys having sex with boys and girls having sex with girls is completely natural. It's natural because she says so, and she says it's just as common. And she's got a purple wig on. I bet she voted for Trudeau. Swingers, orgies, three ways, whatever you want to call it. Don't knock it till you've tried. Member of the Board of Education. By the way, like, that's not her in her private life. This is her on camera for whatever demented show she's filming this for. With, by the way, the sleaziest music, sleaziest settings, the sleaziest outfits that you could imagine. A mess of songs. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to have that blurred out. She's holding up a giant... <laughs> well then, that's quite interesting. This is our King Kong. Is that built for a human female? As a girl, I'm certainly happy to be able to celebrate my feminine side. But you know, a lot of my male friends like to celebrate their feminine sides as well. I wonder if it is a lot. I wonder if a lot of her male friends celebrate their feminine sides. And even if it is a lot, I wonder, are they celebrating their feminine sides? Or are they imagining a feminine side that isn't necessarily there? Cross-dressing isn't only happening in our species. In fact, it happens all the way across the animal kingdom. Just to point out how absolutely full of sh this lady is. Cross-dressing doesn't just happen in the human species. It happens across all species or many different species in the animal kingdom. It does not. Other animals don't wear clothes. No animals in the animal kingdom wear clothes. Therefore, cross-dressing does not happen. This lady is absolutely objectively full of So ladies, if you're tired of all the attention from the boys, why not just become one? Should be easy. In this episode, we'll show you the biggest penis you've ever seen. All right, well, we're not going to watch the rest of this. So this is her, the member of the Board of Education at this British Columbia school. According to her, she's a biologist. <laughs> Aren't we all? SciComm, UNA instructor, she, her. Great qualification to list in your bio. Watch me, Discovery, Science Channel, Net Geo, Netflix, learn from me. I definitely want to. I want to learn more about how all these animals wear different clothes in the animal kingdom. Oh, and also hashtag feminist and trustee. Cool. Thank you for letting us know that you're trustworthy and you're a feminist. Who would have thought you do have blue hair and mushrooms in your bio? Cool. But I wanted to learn more from Corinne Bondar. She's a doctor. At least she identifies as a doctor. And by the way, I want you to know there's many species in the animal kingdom that are also doctors. There's boy gorilla doctors who are out there wearing girl gorilla clothes. It's just everybody's a doctor. You know, it's let's just normalize and we're normalizing things. We're normalizing abnormal things by saying other species do it when in fact they don't. But I wanted to learn more about her. So of course I had no choice but to go to her website. Uh, biologist with a twist. Yeah, a little bit too much of a twist. Uh, a biologist who thinks animals out in the jungle wear clothes. We got not enough biologists and just too much damn twist in that uh, equation. So, I mean, look at this. We got shaved side of the head. That's <laughs> like, how authentic are these photos? Like, I was just here standing in front of plants going like this. This is, I'm authentic, aren't I? And I'm also safe around children. And look, books authored, which by the way, uh, none of the books she's holding are ones that she's authored. And a TV show, look at that. Hand on hip, 
arm awkwardly straight, leaning at a scoliotic angle. I like this lady more, but I wanted to see the books that she's authored. So she has authored these books. By the way, other species in the animal kingdom author books all the time. This is normal, people. Wild moms, motherhood in the animal kingdom. <laughs> the fact that she thinks animals wear clothes, let alone animals cross-dressed with the clothes that they don't wear. I would love to see her motherhood lessons in the animal kingdom. She'd be like, dude, sometimes mama tigers eat their babies, so you should too. It's normal. Other animals do this all the time, people. Wild sex, the science behind mating in the animal kingdom. Yeah, most animals are doing gay sex nowadays. And wild sex, like so, someone who's writing this book, I definitely want them influencing my kids. It's not just about sex, it's wild sex. The nature of sex, the ins and outs of mating in the animal kingdom. She's like, well, you know, a lot of species in the animal kingdom, they'll they'll mate with other species. So, you know, humans, we should probably mate with other species too. You know, get a dog, you know, it's great. The nature of human nature, reflections on our position of natural entities in the animal kingdom. I don't know what, I mean, she's got a set of big boobs on her book photo there. <laughs> It's just great. I mean, it's natural sex in the animal kingdom, which, by the way, I like her natural red hair in this picture, which is cultural appropriation of gingers. She's got blue hair in her other pictures, but it's, she's all about nature and what's natural. And it's totally natural to have blue hair. I'm, I miss natural. A lot of other species in the animal kingdom have blue hair. They'll, they'll dye their hair blue. They just do that. But this is an accredited doctor, ladies and gentlemen, that I definitely want my kids learning from, don't I? Of course I do, because I'm not a bigot. TV series hosted, Outrageous Acts of Science, The World's Oddest Animal Couples. Can't wait for that one. Tune in, in tonight. Stephen Hawking, Brave New World. Actually, she's probably a good, fitable uh, host for the Stephen Hawking, Brave New World show is recently found out about his Epstein Island expeditions. She's like, dude, other animals in the wild go to Epstein Island. It's totally natural. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. Go to Epstein's Island. And presenter on the world's weirdest funny farms. I wonder what they do on those funny farms. Moral of the story isn't just to highlight how this lady is likely a sexual pervert and certainly psychologically inept, thinking that animals wear clothes, let alone thinking animals do other things that they don't do. The moral of this story is she is full of these ideologies that probably aren't necessarily based in harmony with the divine, in harmony with good values and morals that you care about and that you massively care about instilling in your children. She is determining the education of thousands of children. Is that potentially letting the coyote a little close to the hen house? It is for me. But let me know what you think in the comments below. Appreciate you watching this, my freedom loving friend. I'll see you on our next video. But first, I got a special, very non-perverted message for you. What's up, my friend? I want to tell you a little secret about how I use my all-time favorite product out of the Awakened CBD product line, the CBD oil tincture. Because I'm not someone who likes to leave my health, wellness, and how I feel and function on a daily basis to chance. I like to take control of those things, and the CBD oil helps me do it. Here's how I use it. Folks, all roads lead to Obama here. All roads lead to Obama. I'm going to tell you something. You ready? I'm going to share something I, I'm not, I've been holding on to for a long time because, and I fault me for it if you want. It's fine. I'm only human. This is serious. I've been holding on to this for a long time. 
Folks, if you're going to prosecute Donald Trump for a classified documents alleged scandal, and I'll go through why this case is an absolute loser if it makes it to a serious judge and not a hack. I'll go through that in a second. We got the deets on that. I was on Obama's detail. Obama had a guy in his circle, very close in his circle, and he knows who he is. This guy was caught multiple times bringing foreign nationals up to secure floors where there were documents all over the place, most likely classified. Everybody knows who this guy is. Hmm. Espionage Act violations? Exposing classified documents to foreign nationals? We have no idea who these people are. Let's just say this guy would come back, maybe had a few adult sodas in him. I mean, as close to Obama as you can get. A few adult sodas in him and be with some people, if you know what I mean, that were definitely not vetted. Ah, it's all good. It's okay. You know who those people are? Has it ever occurred to you you might be getting set up in a honey trap? You sure we want to go down this road? And by the way, I did not kill myself, just so you all know. I am in no way suicidal. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Joe, can you vouch? You've known uh, me yes. longer. You're, you're alive right now, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah. e, Justin, you've known me the shortest, Justin, so we'll sandwich it. You're pretty much not suicidal. You ever hear me tell me? You've never said, I, you never heard me say I want to kill myself? Okay, good. Just so we're, I kid a little bit. Now, God for your man. Thank you. Interesting that Obama wants to go down this road about classified documents. Someone should find that guy. Be really weird, right? Maybe put him on a polygraph. What about Hillary Clinton, by the way? who I've already told you that a Secret Service agent was once asked to look at Hillary Clinton's server in her place because they thought they had an issue with the server. And it wasn't really like running right, if you know what I mean. And that agent was asked a couple of questions about it and uh, looked at the server and found out that it had been infiltrated and hacked into. It was a private server with classified information. You sure we want to go down this road if we're going to go to the police state? And we might as well... You know what, folks? Let's just take off our pants and show everybody what we got, right? You want to do that? Figuratively, of course. Not Geraldo. Sure we want to go down this road? I got a lot to talk about. I think I'm going to start naming names soon. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there. Oh, there are people listening to this one, I'm sure. We want to go down this road? All roads lead to Obama. Who was in charge when the collusion thing happened? Obama. Who was in charge when Joe Biden took an alleged $10 million bribe now, two $5 million bribes from Ukrainians? That's right, Obama. Who was in charge when Joe Biden squirreled away documents and took them against the law, classified documents, and hit them in his private office and residence? That's right, Obama. There's a black voter on Fox. He's a Democrat. And he had some interesting words about Trump and Joe Biden and coming home in a body bag from Afghanistan. Ladies and gentlemen, this is some powerful stuff. And it goes to show you that people are waking up. The question is, how many? Politics is the projection of power through votes. Votes are people. How many are going to show up who are pissed off? 
The answer is we need to get more. Because however many we have, it's not enough. Listen to this. I think I'm mostly geared towards Donald Trump. Really? I think I've seen, yes, I have seen the pullout of Afghanistan from Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And then I watched him check his watch during their fun the funeral of the servicemen. Mm -hmm. And I think if we were to go to a war, I'm prime age to be drafted. And I don't want him to check his his watch while they're burying me. I don't believe that wow. he's a competent commander in chief. And then he'd probably blame my death on climate change in the same way he blamed the pullout in Afghanistan on Donald Trump. Wow. I don't want him checking my, his watch while I come home in a body bag and blaming my death on climate change. Listen, I don't know this young man. I never met him in my life, but I got to tell you, politics is sa sound bites and snapshots, and that's a pretty damn devastating one. I don't want him checking his watch while I come home in a body bag and blaming it on climate change from a, a guy, young man who claims to have been a Democrat and now a Trump supporter. Folks, that's devastating stuff. Does it mean we're going to win in a landslide in 2024? I just told you I'm not sure we woke enough people up yet. But I'm telling you right now, the awakening process has begun. There is no doubt about that. What's going to be? The question is, he titled the show, The Watershed Moment. What's it going to be? What's that watershed moment going to be? Is it going to be Hunter? Is it going to be his age? Is it going to be the immigration thing? Is it going to be street chaos? Is it going to be a killing on the subway? I don't know. But I'll tell you another variable I mentioned in the beginning. That's just not going away. I don't wish any ill health on anyone. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't wish that on anyone. However, everybody dies. We all have an expiration date. I've had scares with it myself. As you get older, I've got news for you. You're closer to the expiration date. If you have a fatal disease, it's the same way. Those are the harsh realities of human biology. Joe Biden is old. He is clearly cognitively impaired. Here's another demonstration of the Joe Biden age issue, something I brought up repeatedly that happened again. Take a look at this. See how he did? He doesn't know what to do again? Guys, this, is, this conversation is getting old. Tell me in the chat if you're sick of these. Yes, I'm sick of these, or no, I'm not. I want to see more Joe Biden getting lost on stage. Because if you're done seeing him, I'll, I'll stop. You understand this guy has yet to get off the stage where he actually knows where to go? That was a clip from the Dan Bongino Show. You can watch the full show. We recommend you do on Rumble. Go to Rumble. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.